to me. Live from Twin Cities, we're the Dave's, you know, this is the Dave's Eye. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. And welcome back to another episode of the Dave's Dental Podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, uh, for putting up with us being one day later than we normally are. Uh, it was a very, very busy day yesterday, and uh, we're so we're just getting at it on a on a Tuesday instead of a Monday, um, which is great because we actually have some, you know, actual hopefully proper Minnesota news to talk about. So, um, MJ, how was your week? Weekend, Easter? Do you have a good Easter? All that, all that fun, you know catch up answer stuff you know my weekend was 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 productive because i got uh the johnson and johnson vaccine at the minneapolis convention center so all right congratulations um, buddy that's awesome as eminem says you only get one shot and but uh, uh, as, my, as uh, alexander hamilton says i'm not gonna throw throw away my shot yeah he um, said that right like in in rap lyrics um so, back in the 1700s but, or 1800s Shifting to today, to, to today was today was kind of frustrating. And and just to sum it all up, I'm just gonna play a little ditty here. Hi. When you were languishing on SeatGeek's site to file you in, And when you hit refresh for the 50th time, did you get in? I don't like to spin around in circles, spin around in circles, spin around in circles, spin around in. I don't like to spin around in circles, spin around in circles, spin around in circles, spin around in. All right. I really hope the RIAA doesn't come after us uh, for royalty rights there. We're about so, to find they... out exactly how long our reach is. <laughs> Hopefully not that that long. Um, but maybe it is. If it is, that's that's actually really great because probably monetize that shit. So uh, that sums up a, a, a great deal of uh, uh, fan frustration that we'll talk about in uh, in a couple minutes here, MJ. So great to know. Uh, Dan, how was your how was your Easter? Did you uh you finally it looks like you finally got that grill put together? Did you uh uh smoke some fucking meat on that thing? I did not. Uh, I did I did finally get the grill put together. Uh, the video I watched said an hour and a half. It took me three and a half. So that's you know. How many beers were you drinking during that time? Roughly the same. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I wish I wish I could tell you that the additional time was due to just obscene inebriation, but the answer is I don't do that shit very often. And so it was like every step I was like triple checking. I was like, is this the right screw? Is this the so uh, none, none? Because uh, uh, if you haven't seen the Simpsons episode where Homer puts together a grill, uh, <laughs> we were trending in that direction, really. Uh, I. I yeah, I, I will say as as I as I become a dad, I just I kind of give, I kind of care less about 
actually triple checking shit. And so um, my beer consumption goes up and my trip and my checking goes down. So most of the shit in my house is like usable, but you know, very uh, tip, you know, topsy turvy kind of like it could break at any minute, but it generally <laughs> stays apart, stays together. And then uh, that's what duct tape and Gorilla Glue is for, buddy. That's uh, uh, my other big tip. It's a hundred percent true. Uh, I was being triple careful with this one because the reason I needed a new grill was the one I was using at the end of last season um, <clears throat> burst into flames. And uh, I, the whole point of a grill is contained fire, right? Un- uncontained fire is just, it's not, it's helping no one. And it would sort of put my garage in a little bit of jeopardy. So <laughs> I was like, well, I should be really careful with this because this is where the fire goes and I want the fire to stay there and, and like had a mental image of like, yeah, I didn't need to put in those extra screws on the legs. And then like mid grill, like it falls over into my garage. It's like a fucking uh, farmer's commercial. Like, Oh, we covered this dumbass burning down his own garage with a grill. He couldn't put together himself. We are farmer. Yeah, I don't want to be bump, that bump, guy. Bump, That's bump, not bump. my jam. That's fair. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, the the first uh, Dave's I know grill out at your place because that looks like a badass fucking grill, buddy. So I'm real excited. So yeah, I uh, I did burn in last night, so it's ready to go. Uh, and then my plan was to like grill a week, like really get some of the kinks knocked out. And then I looked at the forecast. We're supposed to get three fucking inches of rain and I will grill in a lot of weather, but monsoon is all off the table for me. Yeah. Last. So I pull up my grill uh, two, two, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, whenever my in-laws were last in town and I grilled um, some uh, chicken in the rain. And I was like, I fucking, had my jacket on. I was like, whatever. I don't care. I'm just, I'm, it's, I'm grilling. It's, I, it's 40 degrees outside and it's pouring rain, but I'm actually going to grill because I can just step outside, you know, flip shit, b- base again, put the grill back down and go and go back inside. So, um, I, but I respect, respect that. So, very much looking forward to that. So, that'd be, that'd be fun. Um, if you want to get in on Dan's grilling, uh, uh, adventures, you can join our Patreon. You, you're not actually going to get in on Dan's grilling adventures, unfortunately. I- Sorry. Look at a sufficient dollar level; it might be worth our while. <laughs> maybe uh, it, an offer. Let's, uh, yeah, let's. We'll have a conversation about uh, how much uh, brisket will uh, will cost you on the Patreon side uh, <laughs> for from Dan. Um, Three dollars a month. Uh, I just want to shout out David Kelly, who uh, who has been a uh, a good friend, longtime listener of the podcast. Just joined at the twelve dollar a month level, which is fucking insane. Um, he gets to like probably be on the podcast a couple times. I've actually figured out. Precisely. He is a Dave that we know. He is a Dave that we know. So it actually would be uh, make more sense for him to be on the podcast. Um, we're uh, we just announced uh, Christian and the Hop Clubs just announced the name of the uh, upcoming beer for the Red Today's uh, uh, No Patreon. It's called Red Card. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. It's a uh, red rye, um, and it features uh, a picture that I near and dear to my heart i cherish it every day i whenever i wake up whenever i go to bed in the morning i kiss it or go to bed at night i kiss it i wake up in the morning i kiss it it's uh, harrison heath getting a red card against colorado at tcf bank stadium that art is going to adorn uh the this newest beer uh for the patreon folks so if you're not already signed up please do if you are you'll be getting an email uh from uh us i keep saying soon um we'll, we're gonna figure out you know Christian, I need to chat about when the beer will actually be readily available and, and how we'll do that. Probably do it before a, a, a way match or something as a way to get people 
uh, that beer. It should be at the end of the month. By the end of the month, uh, you'll be getting something from us about that. So uh, patreon.com slash the Daves I know. Help support the Daves that you know. So, all right, let's jump in, boys. We have a, we have a lot of stuff to discuss. So we're going to try and keep this as tight as possible, which I know means a hour and 45-minute podcast. Uh, luckily, we're recording earlier, so I don't have to be up till midnight uh, editing stuff. So let's start with Minnesota United uh, FC News. And uh, let's start with tickets. Um, did you always get your tickets to uh, watch the first four matches at uh, Allianz Field? I wanted to in the upper deck, and I settled for one in the corner on the lower deck where my tactical brain will not be as happy. But I got my one. I got my one ticket. Um, they were selling one tickets at places. Yes. Um, eventually, that was all that were, was available. And okay, I don't know what the technical name for this is. Um, I really couldn't work this into my song. But whatever the ratio, the algorithm for the ratio of available seats to client sessions was, sucked. I like to yeah. think that on average, maybe, you know, if there are, you know, 16 seats or groups of seats available, you're only allowing four people in the room. You know, they're like, oh, I don't like any of these. And they leave, you know, we let the next one in. Um, there was one time where there's maybe eight, you know, things left and they were just being gobbled up. Like, you know, no, no one who's in the room had any chance to assess anything. Yeah. Dan? I uh, <clears throat> I kind of decided that uh, I wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do the first four games. Um, I'm only gonna be fully vaccinated for the last two. Gretchen only for the last one. So it's like ah, you know, I'm not gonna do this. And then like I got sucked into the hoopla. I was like, you know what? If I have to find some people to, to use the first games, we'll figure it. Out. We'll figure it out. I'll get I'll get tickets. And uh, no, uh, no, no, I did not get tickets. I did not even really get close to having tickets. Uh, unlike MJ, I wasn't looking to take an upper decker. I was pretty, uh, pretty content to stay wherever on the stadium, but, uh, no, it did not matter. I could have, I could have been willing to face backwards or, you know, sit outside the stadium with like a, like the house from up and those, none of those tickets were available. Honestly, they should have done that. They should have done, they should have sold like a mini blimp promo with two hanging seats. Because boy, those would have been perfectly socially distanced. And honestly, I would have bought them. Yeah. Um, I was I, I was one of the, the very, very lucky ones because I, uh, it, was, it was actually funny because my son um, decided uh, yesterday uh, that he wasn't going to, take a nap after being at the zoo all day. Um, oh yeah. That's what I did over the weekend. Obviously had Easter with the family and then went to the zoo on Monday. Um, and so he got up at like fucking, he got up several times during the night, woke up at like six 20, didn't really go back to bed. So I was just, I was not, uh, I, and I was like in after my wife got up and she gave him breakfast, I went upstairs and tried to like nap for a little bit. Then he came upstairs and we normally don't let my son, our son upstairs, into our room um and so but we were like oh i was like fuck it like i'll just let him like sit on the like lay on the bed next to me and watch finding nemo while i like close my eyes and like not actually properly sleep but just like at least have my eyes shut <clears throat> totally forgetting that this was the time when <laughs> the team was going to be uh tickets were going to be going on sales but I, I i i literally i logged in at 10 i mean i had logged in previously um refreshed the page at 10 
saw the offer thing, clicked on it, got that little spinning wheel thing. Um, wait on that for like 30 seconds. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go back. And then went back in and I had uh, purchased my tickets using my site credit, my, or my account credit um, by 10 3. And apparently it sounds like there's a lot of people who uh, the, the credit part wasn't working for people trying to, to use their tickets. So some people had to put it on credit cards or on their, on their debit card or whatever, um, which really kind of sucks. I, the whole thing, I'll wrap up here. Uh, it's just like, just watching like looking at twitter and stuff and all that obviously it's not the best um uh you know determiner of things but like it just it looked it felt like it was probably a big shit show so mj i tried first forgetting that i had credit built up from the covid year i tried paying with a credit card and then realizing you code and if you switch from the there was a few one screen that if you'd switched off the credit card after selecting credit card and tried to go back to store credit uh after you had gotten air like i forgot to enter in the cv i was trying to do the transaction as quickly as possible and so i skipped the cvv field so it came back with the cvv field error saying that i need to enter that in and so i said oh wait i have credit so i clicked off credit card when it, and that did not work. I had to go back two screens or, you know, hit back a couple of times, go back to a fresh where you want a credit card. So as a former quality control person, not good execution, right? This was not handled well. Right. And I, I don't want to pile on um, the team because the team, I mean, the team has certainly chose to partner with SeatGeek and, and I, we, you know, um, I don't think SeatGeek is necessarily hundred percent at fault here. I think they, probably severely underestimated the demand for uh, tickets. And I think they severely um, and did themselves a disservice when they uh, allowed people to buy the two, four or six, um, no matter how many uh, tickets you had. I think that yeah. was also probably a, a, a failure on their part. I'm sorry. I want to read a, uh, <laughs> our friend Christian uh, sent, I, I put out a, a, you know, thing on Twitter today asking for questions and, and voicemails. We actually, if we, someone said they're going to send a voicemail. So if they sent that voicemail, um, her name is Jessica rabbit with a lot of numbers afterwards. I'm going to drop it in right here. Oh, wow. That was an amazing voicemail. Um, assuming it was a vo- an actual voicemail. Uh, our friend Christian sent just, he didn't want to send a voicemail, but um, you know, he basically said that the trying to get tickets was, one of the worst experiences he's ever had related to related to a sporting event or a concert. He doesn't understand why this team always feels completely unprepared. I agree with him there. Um, he also had his computer with high speed internet wired up, ready to go at 10 AM and he still couldn't get things done. He spent three and a half hours uh, completely wasted of his day, completely wasted um, and not in the good sense in the, uh, clicking on internet stuff since um, Christian was able, actually able, I think, to get tickets eventually for a 2 p.m. window. This was just a really, really poor communication thing, which is, I mean, is there, are we expecting anything else from this team? So this is a, it's a valid question, but SeatGeek is an MLS partner though. Right. Um, However, it seems like we're not the only team that has had trouble with this because uh, Seattle moved off SeatGeek 
but like very, very end of last year. So yeah, I, uh, I don't hate time drops. I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff that I've won that way or tickets I've gotten, or I'm not unfamiliar with this art. So I, the best thing I can guess is that this is the loons not communicating to SeatGeek what the level of demand was likely to be and SeatGeek not bothering to ask. So I think this is sort of a blind leading the blind situation. So can, can, um, can you explain that the, so what I think happened is that they only were going to drop a certain number of tickets at a certain, at certain times. Right. So if you were able to log in right at 10 AM, um, there, there would be some tickets available um, in all the different sections or whatever. And then at maybe at 1030, they'd open up more tickets. I, they did not communicate. That's what it seems like what happened. Uh, we obviously have not confirmed any of that with the team or whatever. And hopefully, I mean, I, I think maybe our chances of getting Sean sitting on the podcast are going from, um, you know, maybe 5% to 0%. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I think, Dan, to your point, they did not communicate that that's what they wanted to do to the to SeatGeek. And they didn't communicate that to season ticket holders. I mean, they eventually they kind of did, but they did it in a very, not in a really, I mean, terribly communicated way. Um, so can you explain a little bit, maybe, Dan, about like what like that sort of like, you know, that dropping is what it should look like in, a, in an ideal world? I, you can do it a lot of different ways, right? You just have to be clear about it and sort of set people's expectations. So if the team wanted to do 50% of the tickets at 10 a.m. and then sort of watch demand and then release another 25%, but then hold hold some back, we're not dealing with the, the law here, right? So all of this is, is above board. You just kind of need to clue people into what it's going to be or you're or you're going to piss them off is right. basically the upshot so yeah. yeah i i don't think there's anything here that's particularly remarkable other than there was just no communication and and i don't know to your point like they did the way they made it sound to fans was at 10 a.m 100 percent of the seats are going to be available if those seats are not fully sold at 2 p.m another round of people get to come in. That's the way I took it, which is why that is hundred percent the way it was, it was written. So, and, so when I was on at like 10 Oh seven, which is eight minutes later than I would normally be on. And th- like, it was like, yeah, just kidding. Sold out. There's no offers. What the hell is wrong with you? I was like, that's interesting because this is an event like bots was actually my first thought, right? Like, like for high demand tickets, you worry about bots coming in and trying to buy them all up and then trying to like resell them later there's no way somebody botted the four game ticket package for minnesota united unless like unless this team is about to get space jammed basically right and and this is this because it was all itasca society folks like it was not it wasn't open to the general public it was only open to people who i mean theoretically i guess we don't 100 know for sure if they open it up to anybody who has had a season ticket um they just said itasca society but i guess I, i i will go ahead and trust the team that when they said itasca society it was only itasca society people that were it was open to so um yeah again just uh, just another version of this team failing to communicate things properly so uh mj do you have any last words on this on the ticketing debacle um, oh but by, by the way guys oh, I, no, so I, my, my biggest thing is is that you know when you do a time drop 
you should have a set ratio of clients allowed or client sessions and seats available. And yeah. that ratio was, was horrible. I think they eventually figured that out with like the queue stuff. And, but still um, it took, it took them a yeah, long time in the queue. And when I got out of the queue, there were like, looked like 10 other people vying for eight seats. Yeah. Now, how am I supposed to feel, make it, make a good decision? You know, right. I'm not saying that, you know, there's a point where you have, it's too small, right. Where you're only allowing one person to look at, you know, 50 different seats, you know, the, the key, the queue is going to take later and people are going to complain like, why can't I get in? Why can't in? Why is this taking forever? Because uh. So when, when it's 50 seats, you know, you're allowing, you know, 25 or 20 or 15 yeah. or however many people to view. But it's just like when it gets kind of down to the end, you should maybe slow that client session, the number of client sessions. Yeah. I mean, also, I'll also throw out there. I, I was able to get, I literally was able to get tickets. Like I think I, my transaction posted at like 10 or three uh, in the morning. Yeah, I hate you. So, I hate so, you. <laughs> uh, again, yeah, to the point of like, oh, the, thank God my son like decided to get up and kind of be an asshole all morning. Um, I was able to like just sort of be near my computer. Um, For the first but, time, I'm jealous that you have a child. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will. I will be. I will. I will literally be like front and center in the Wonder Wall. I, I literally am the third row uh, in section 22, which is the middle section of the Wonder Wall third row is the first row that you are able to get seats in i'm in the fucking middle like smack dab in the middle so dan is too professional to express his hatred of you right now and <laughs> i'm gonna just express enough for both of us anytime goals are scored uh you're gonna see my my fucking mug uh right there uh, uh i also say i have two tickets and i'm only probably going to use one for most of the games if if not all the games of the four so um just remember I, who didn't just say they hated you. That's all I'm saying. Right. <laughs> yes, du- duly, duly noted. So um, I am taking uh, taking offers on, on those tickets. Uh, I will also point out too, like they def- tickets definitely were more expensive than they normally are. Like so, like when you get the the Wonderwall season ticket package, I think it's three hundred sixty bucks for eighteen games. And the math I was doing, it the tickets were twenty two bucks for each game. You know which over the course of, you know, say 18 games works out to be an extra 36 bucks, which is not a ton of money, but I think they probably jacked that number up a little bit on the, um, on the club field, like the field level seat, you know, seats and all that stuff. So um, I'm guessing none of that money, the extra Wonderwall uh, supporter section money is probably going to the Wonderwall. So, um, you know, again, this team just kind of doing some shady, shady shit. So, all right. Um, we spent a ton of time talking about tickets. Let's very quickly talk about some other Minnesota United stuff. Uh, Juan Chope, sorry, MJ. Please, let's. Oh talk yes, about okay, yeah before, yeah. before I start going into a lesson on supply and demand economics. Yes, we're not going to do that. Uh, Juan Chope seems to be officially done, uh, according to a Twitter account. Um, we've kind of been uh, joking about that for the last three weeks, basically, or two weeks. Um, so sounds like. Uh, it will be confirmed very, very, very soon. So good for him. Uh, hopefully he can maybe, maybe play uh, this last preseason match and, um, you know, start on the 16th, but might take him a little bit of time to get, uh, get to snuff. The one good thing that he's got going for him is it's mid season, right? So this isn't a situation where you've got a player who hasn't played in a full calendar year or anything like that. Yes, he was rehabbing, but he was in game shape. So right. I'm at yeah. least optimistic that he'll get up to speed fairly quickly on a fitness side, maybe maybe less so on a integrating into the team side. And, 
and he's a fucking striker. Just like just hold up and put the ball in the back of the fucking net, right? That's that's really your job. It's not like you're it's not like he's a central defender and he's like like organizing lines and shit like that. So uh so yeah, so that's good. Uh Minnesota United finally announced a season long uh loan for Thomas Jacone to Liverpool uh in Uruguay, uh Montevideo to be precise, um, with an option to buy for the team after the 2021 season. That's an interesting, interesting move. MJ, um, you you point out in our notes that this is the blue Liverpool. Uh, it's yeah, still it's, Liverpool, it's, buddy. Azul Negros, their they, their kits kind of look like Inter Milan. They're black and blue stripes. And yeah, it's you know who that comments for the blue Liverpool. Yeah, a season long loan with an option to buy. Uh, I can all I can say about this is in the Uruguay it would be pronounced Montevideo. I have no idea how they pronounce Liverpool. (laughs) Fair enough. enough. Uh, We also signed our first round draft picks, uh, Justin McMaster uh, from Wake Forest and Nabilai Kibunguchi. I literally pronounce this Kibunguchi. I literally pronounced this in my head a bunch of times earlier today, knowing that I would fuck it up. And I just kind of fucked it up. So uh, who is from uh, UC Davis? So uh, the heat, the quotes from Heath were both very good on these guys. It seems like they have bedded in with the first team players pretty well. I it would I would be surprised if they are not loaned out for this year, but I guess you could maybe um, make it, especially with uh, uh, Kibunguchi if uh, Ikopar is not playing, which we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. Maybe having a little more depth for center back, but um, yeah, MJ. I can't remember which game it was, but there there was video highlights of of Justin McMaster's. Justin McMaster scoring a goal playing left wing. So there you go. They're they're trying him out there. Is I don't know where he is on the depth chart because I never know what it's like until he trots out his preferred lineup day well, one. As we're gonna as we're gonna mention later, there there are two or three more signings that are coming in. So yeah, I mean <laughs> you just don't like. I won at some point. I will make a spreadsheet of all the people that we played at left wing, and then from that subset, how many are actually right wingers or you know naturally play somewhere else? Yeah, because uh, it's a large number. But yeah, yeah. You, you just don't know. Like, so is 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 he possibly a solution for for left wing off the bench? Maybe, possibly. Uh, other. Kind of under the radar news, but I think is actually kind of important news is that uh, Damian Roden was named senior director of sports sciences, uh, sports science for Minnesota United. Um, I'll just kind of read off his resume real quick and then we can chat a little bit about this guy. Uh, he p- spent six years with the Wales uh, uh, FA, then went to Bolton, Blackburn Rovers, Man City, uh, pre pep, obviously, uh, with Mark when Mark Hughes was managing Man City back before. Um, my wife started following Man City and everybody else started following Man City. Went back to the <laughs> Wales uh, uh, Football Association as their head of performance. Uh, then he went back to the, the uh, Premier League with Stoke City, um, which I point out, uh, it was pointing out in, uh, in the um, press release about him. Fewest injuries in the Premier League during his tenure and they improved every single season during his tenure. Um, after that, he moved over uh, across, the, across the pond to Seattle and he was the director of high performance at Seattle, uh, the Seattle Sounders. Uh, again, um, the team, you know, they won a fucking MLS Cup. They won, a, I think, uh, a 
bunch. They wanted some other stuff while he was there for the last couple of years. And now he is in Minnesota. I know he's mentioned that he'd been trying to get this guy for the longest time, which is what he says about every, every old person that he brings into the team. I've been trying to get this person for the longest time to be, to, to work with me. Um, but this guy seems pretty well, um, you know, has a pretty good CV and, and seems like he, uh, could be a really good addition to the front office and this is not a position that minnesota's had so um it's interesting and i wonder if you guys have any specific thoughts on damian rodin or the senior director of sports science and what that might mean because i know specifically i know minnesota does not have a uh, anybody who works on analytics at least full-time maybe they have some people who do part-time but definitely don't know how to have anybody who does it uh full-time so um i would assume that some like a person like this would coordinate with that with those folks but again we shall see so um i'll leave it up to uh dan why don't we start with you yeah i mean this is a position that's obviously near and dear to my heart um i worked with not with uh with damien at all i'm not indicating that but i've worked with people in his position before um and it's it is a critical position that it was sort of chagrining that it didn't look like minnesota was gonna fill um it's it's a lot of really small stuff, the nitty gritty in terms of player rehab and optimization of workouts and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it is seldom the stuff that anyone can point to and say, oh, this, this won the game. And yet it is very often the stuff that won the game. You know, we talk about soccer being such a 50-50 sport. Who gets to second balls? Who gets who's one step faster um, for defenders? Or can you get into ideal position before you then have to make a lunge? And so having this person, uh, I think, is is critically important. And I'm really glad to see him. Um, obviously, I, I won't go deep into his CV. The one thing about it that stands out to me is he's constantly moving up, which means yeah. um, he has caught the eye of other teams. Other teams know that he does good work. He doesn't, you know, it's not something where he's bouncing around. Um, in the U S we would look for training trees. So who is he connected to? That's not really quite as applicable in this situation, but hey buddy, this guy's connected to Sam fucking Allardyce who bought him from the Wales FA to Bolton. So <laughs> Sam Allardyce to Minnesota United is back on the, uh, on the watch list. That means uh, according to this weekend's results, Minnesota United would beat Chelsea. Hundred percent, buddy. Hundred percent. Which means Minnesota United, coming from Anderlecht in Belgium, is a step up. There you go. That's true. Anderlecht's not going to beat Chelsea. Uh, MJ, do you have anything uh, about Damien you want to you want to add in there? Or? I'm just sad that Minnesota United doesn't make these sorts of announcements in a public venue where a bunch of sports writers can ask the person questions because invariably somebody would say, Oh, you're Welsh. Have you met Gareth Bale? And that would be their question. Um, and we miss out on that. We miss out on those dipshit moments. Maybe, because... maybe it's for the better. I mean, theoretically he has met Gareth Bale. So he would have, he maybe would have a story or two. So I was going to say, at least in this case, the answer is probably yes. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the Chicago so... fire reporter who was like, Hey, are the fire going to win the world cup. Oh, gentlemen, um, I think I, I think I shared it with you. I'm just going to share it with everybody on the podcast. I'm going to share it with the Zoom. Uh, fucking Pele's The World Cup Murder showed up at my door yesterday. This is a first edition. 
uh, book, uh, Murder Mystery, co-written by the god himself, uh, Mr. Pele. And, uh, and I have it now. And I'm going to read it. And it's in a, it's in a um, plastic wrapping to keep it nice and, and, and safe. I'm hopefully going to try and figure out a way to like PDF it so other people can read it because you can't find this fucking book anywhere. Um, I spent a lot of money getting this book and getting a decent, uh, you can find like cheap, uh, like not great versions of this book. I have a really good, like not mint, but like near mint condition, first edition of this book. So um, FYI, uh, well, maybe we'll start a, uh, if, if I can figure a way to like PDF it or whatever, we can do a, uh, Dave's I know book club. Book, book club and we can all read <laughs> Pele, the world cup murder. Um, the, the, uh, apparently I've not, again, I've not read it. I've only, so I, this was, there was an article on the athletic, um, about, uh, I can't remember who, I think it was Matt Pence and maybe Paulo Mara who went to the U S soccer hall of fame, like, uh, uh, storage facility and they just went through and just looked at a bunch of shit and they found this book and there are some excerpts from this book um the, the, the it there's a, a an american team that's not the usa in the world cup in this book so fyi the story is fucking bonkers and i'm very now excited. you have my attention i'm very excited to read this book gentlemen and i am very very excited to share this book with everybody that I know about. So uh, I hope my goal is to read it this week and hopefully I can maybe give a, a very a brief synopsis and a, maybe a book report on it uh, next week's podcast or maybe the week after because we have a lot of shit going on next week. Maybe the week after this podcast. Maybe give me two weeks to read the book. Um, if you, yeah, if go you ahead, don't sorry. share this book, David, I know someone from the Minnesota football show that might murder you. You know. Yes. I need to figure out... You. I need to figure out a way to PDF it so that I can share this thing with the rest of the world because it looks fucking amazing. Uh, anyways, um, for those of you who, you know, obviously can't watch this podcast, there's the type, the typeset is weird and not great. And then there's a ball, a soccer ball with just like red paint on it that's supposed to be, I think, symbolizing blood, um, but not like a hole in the ball, just like red paint on a soccer ball so and, and a very much a turf field by the way that is not grass that is definitely turf so um clearly this was set in the usa in like the 1980s so uh okay moving along let's uh let's talk about some other stuff so adrian heath had a very interesting uh interview with uh i think this is doogie wolfson of uh uh 1500 right dan uh yeah score north so yeah, yeah score north yeah sorry score north um, and he you know, had a couple of quotes that I, that we, I wanted to sort of like pull out and we can very, discuss, you know, discuss a little bit. Um, basically the first thing that I alluded to earlier, looking to add two or three more signings. That's a drink. Everybody, if you're listening to this podcast and drinking alcohol, please, or not drinking alcohol, just drink because two or three more signings from Adrian Heath is definitely a drink, uh, uh, game. Uh, one of the quotes, so there's three, or there's basically two, three other quotes, two, two quotes specifically. And then, um, one thing that he kind of alluded to that would be, I think, helpful to discuss. The first quote uh, we've talked, and this is from Heath, uh, quote, we've talked about can we get better every transfer window, every season? If you look, the trajectory has been going this way. Now for us to continue that, we're probably going to have to win something next year because we've been really close over the last sort of 18 months. That's a, that's a direct quote from Adrian Heath, which I think uh, is – I think aligns with a lot of what our expectations expectations are for this team. 
but it's not something we've specifically heard from anybody front office or Adrian Heath, the manager. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's fantastic that the guy definitely understands that, that there's, they can't take a step back. Like they need to keep moving forward. Um, do you guys have any specific thoughts on that, on that quote? In addition to the two or three more signings part of it, which is always fun. He has said something similar to the, we need to get close to wins, winning something. Uh, except this time he says, we're going to have to win something. Yeah. Because last time he said, we should get close to winning something this year. And I went off in a way that was typical of my attitude. And you were spot. wrong because they got close to winning something. Yeah, I was uh, like. To almost two things. But we, we, we've already gotten close to winning three things. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we should win something. So I'm glad to see that he's upgraded that response. I think it's great because they're only in two competitions this year. Maybe three total if you consider the supporter shield a separate competition and then they and they qualify for the open cup. Like the open cup is is it's you gotta win what four games? One, two, yeah, four four matches and you win a fucking trophy. So th- this is and legitimately this team plays much better, it seems like in um over the course of the last couple of years, knockout competitions. So uh, Dan, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw on a tinfoil hat here. Uh, I think that his upgrading, we should get close to winning something. To we should win something is an indication that the team has spent money this offseason or is about to, and ownership has basically told him, "You got a blank check this year. We got you Reynoso. We're getting you Wanchope. We're getting you probably somebody on the left." That's been hinted at in this interview and a few others. Uh, we want a boat. We want a big fucking ship. We want a parade that hopefully people could actually attend uh, right down the green line. So that's my, my tinfoil hat is that the team has spent money, that the left-sided attacker will be notable and good, that Juan Chope, uh, there's a commitment there, and that Heath is feeling, probably for the first time since he joined the club, real pressure from the top down, and I think that's excellent. That would be fucking fantastic man if that is actually what is happening um which i it makes it makes it's not really tinfoil when it makes a ton of sense it's not like that mj and on shit where it just yeah, goes no, off is- and it's really fucking weird uh this actually that actually makes a lot of sense and i can i also can understand with uh i mean i don't know people listen to uh the bill mcguire podcast on 55 one but like i think that dude's like like sees his mortality and wants to like as much as like soccer is not his first sport, his first sport is obviously basketball. The dude likes winning shit and likes being on top. And so I think he definitely wants to win things. Like, so as much as you want to, you know, talk about your owners and and owners and stuff like that. Like I don't distrust Bill McGuire in terms of like the fact that he wants to win things. Now, some of his decisions have not been the best in the world. And, and, you know, extending Adrian was probably not the best decision, but like clearly you know, Adrian fucking lives in his guest house. So he's clearly like had him over for a couple glasses of wine. I mean, like, Hey buddy, fucking, how about you? How about you actually bring a trophy home instead of, uh, you know, shit in the bed. So MJ, I just have to say that all of this reading between the lines is just not to the level that is going on in the MJ non slack right now. They're, they're reading between <laughs> the lines that are between the lines. And so, yeah, yeah, you're spot on. This is not MJ non level stuff at all. 
No, I'm a long way from the quantum realm. That is, <laughs> right. uh, that's true. Right, right. All right I, I, uh, I hear no connections with George Soros and pizza parlors. So, like, we're... um, yeah. All right, let's let's, let's leave it there. Uh, all right, and then he uh, he actually had a, a, a comment. Uh, probably the the first like biggest comment that we've seen um, uh, regarding Ikapara and, and his health. Uh, he said, uh, quote, it's common knowledge. He's had concussion issues and we're trying to work it out. We want to get to a stage. What's either best for us or best for the kid. What we don't want to really do is go through the frustration like we did last year for another year. Hopefully we'll come to some sort of situation where it'll be best for all parties. That is an interesting quote to me. Um, I'll let you guys like, why don't you guys start uh, MJ? Um, do you have any specific thoughts on, on that quote? Cause I have some thoughts and I, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hundred percent off base. No, I have no thoughts on this. I, I mean, what else is he going to say? Fair. Dan. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish MJ. No, no, that's, that's it. Um, that particular excerpt is, is a little damning. He softened his tone later and I think understood that he, he misspoke a little, um, Doogie, we, we have had conversations on this podcast about quality of journalist. Doogie's interviews are unimpeachable. That dude gets information out of people. I am so fucking impressed. I love Doogie. He's also a great guy. Um, so I'm not surprised that he's the one who, who started to crack Adrian's shell. Um, Adrian did follow up this quote, uh, I believe talking to Andy Greeter and mentioned a contract buyout. So I think, I think he in particular, but the team in general have reached a point where the wait and see is over. Ike is such a big salary charge and it would be great. Everybody wants him to be healthy. Nobody oh, doesn't. hundred percent. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is a business and Ike is a huge salary and I please Lord, let them not have made this mistake. His contract is almost certainly insured. If it weren't, whoever didn't insure it should be fired. And that's not hyperbole or a joke. That's a massive mistake. Uh, yeah. So cash him out, make sure that he's safe and, and settled and start to move forward. But I, I wish he had phrased it better because I think him being really frustrated about, hey, do I have the best center back in the league or not? And it's, the, it's a binary. It's one or the other. I think is, is pretty natural, but at the end of the day, like I feel terrible for Ike and, and more so than if this were a hamstring or he just couldn't, uh, he'd gotten COVID, got long COVID, something like that. Like these are things with endpoints. They're things that you can specifically train. And it's not that they won't recur, but with concussions, you can truly do everything right. And you can do everything right for two weeks and you can feel amazing and you play one foot wrong and all of a sudden your world spinning again and that right. sucks and i hate that for ike and i'm sorry he has to live through that way live that way or live through that yeah and, and that's that kind of that's kind of echoes what i was thinking i mean it, it seems like this might i mean unfortunately be the end of ike's mls career um and that that again 100 sucks because that dude i think still has you know barring the concussions several really good years of, 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 and, and maybe even more so uh, of uh, being a central defender in MLS in him. Um, but it, it seems like he is definitely very concerned about it and, and fucking rightfully so, man, like concussions are no, are no fucking joke. And you definitely don't want to push someone to be doing something that they're not hundred percent comfortable doing because that's how people get fucking hurt again. Right. So like 
um, and not even just hurt like with more concussions, but like, you know, the doing something to, you know, whatever. It's just, it really, it really sucks. And it's, just, it seems like maybe our, uh, the Ecopara experience in Minnesota United is hopefully is, is not hopefully, but it's probably ending, um, hopefully for the betterment of Ecopara and the rest of his life. Cause that dude has many, many, many years left to live. Um, and, and I think to your point, Dan, with the, how Adrian sort of softened the quote later, he talks about how, um, being a professional soccer player is just a very short period of your life. You have lots of other time to live and you have lots of other things to do. Um, and I think his whole point was like, you got to experience it. You want to have the best part of it, but also like you need to take care of yourself for the future too. So uh, again, I kind of hope that they get to the point where they can um, reach a, a thing that makes sense for everybody involved. And, you know, I like to be, safe and secure and, and secure with what he has for the rest of his life and be able to do other things. And also, you know, Minnesota has get some um, uh, flexibility as well. So, and if he can play great, fucking suit him up, man. But if you can't like, you definitely need to um, make sure everything is good on that end. So, and then uh, sort of the final little piece, uh, and I forgot to write this quote down. I think Dan, you, you alluded to this um, pushing <laughs> Babelo uh Reynoso for double digit goals this year that's a that's a pretty lofty goal yeah uh, and he kind of threw it in as an aside just like uh Doogie was asking about uh whether he felt like Reynoso's performance was repeatable or if it was kind of a flash in the pan thing and, and he said no you know that we think that he's that's gonna be who he is for us and in fact we're pushing him to be even better next year we're pushing him for double digit goals and uh I don't know. I, I got to tell you guys, part of me says, great. If he can add that to his game, he becomes, if he adds double digit goals to what we saw last year, he's MLS MVP, almost prohibitively so. But part of me is a little bit nervous. I don't know that I necessarily want him always looking for shots because he's so good at looking for those passes. MJ, I don't know if you, uh, you want to chime in on that piece. I totally agree, Dan, that let's go with what he's good at. Yes, we want to see him get more goals. Double digits seems a little... I, when Amaria said he was going to get 15 or whatever, I thought that was far-fetched. Uh, you know, Reynoso getting 10 seems even more far, far-fetched to me, and 10 being the lowest of two digits. It feels a little bit like something we've heard with Grey Goosh, too where it's like, oh, yeah, like the goals are definitely going to come. He's definitely got that in his locker. It's like we we haven't we haven't seen that yet. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. I mean, this is definitely one a little bit like Amaria where I would be thrilled to be wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to push back on you guys. I, I think he might be able to get double. I mean, how many goals did he score uh, in the whatever uh, 12 games that he played with us total like two or three? Two was the number I had in my head. Um, two. Uh, he certainly, it, we saw a couple of fucking um, uh, free kick fucking bangers from him. Uh, one, I think, was the goal. And then a couple that like fizzed off the corners or, or fizzed off posts or whatever. So, you know, he definitely could have three to four, you know, just going to put it in from a, a, a fucking free kick things in him. And if he's the, if he's the PK taker, um, you know, that should be two maybe three uh, throughout the year. Then he's just got to, you know, 
be in the right place at the right time to to get the other three. I don't know. I, I don't I don't think it's a an unreal unrealistic possibility uh for him to get double digit goals. And Dan, but Dan said to your point of like if he gets double digit goals, he's gonna have probably double digit assists as well. And the dude is definitely the MLS uh, MVP for the year. So and Minnesota's probably um you know pushing for the supporter shield, you know, one or top one or two in the Western Conference. Uh I'm just saying this year. If, if, if he has 15 to 20 assists and and five goals that's a damn good year and i think that's pretty reasonable yeah absolutely completely agree with that uh just so we're all setting baseline and expectations here if reynoso gets to 10 goals it will be in one season double his professional goal total he scored two one year with Tolares and then one uh Two years ago with Boca, one last year with Boca, and one last year with Minnesota United. Fair enough. So set your expectations uh, correctly. So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk uh, preseason really quick. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this because it's preseason. Um, you know, well, we have a question about this uh, at the very end of this year. Uh, Minnesota beat the Columbus Crew, um, your uh, MLS champions, Columbus Crew, five uh, two uh, on March thirty first. Uh, goals by uh, Ethan Finlay, uh, which is a penalty. Um, Babelow, uh, who scored a goal. Uh, Nico Hansen, uh, uh, Dali, who's a trialist. And then uh, Patrick Weah scored, uh, scored his goal. Uh, on April 3rd, they beat FC Cincinnati 3-1 uh, to one with uh, goals from Babelow uh, from the penalty spot, as I mentioned. Uh, Ethan Finlay again from the penalty spot. And then Justin McMaster who uh, scored his first goal with uh, Minnesota United uh, Four, So there's four goals in this game. Three of these goals came from um, the penalty spot, apparently. So who the hell knows? Uh, we did get a lineup from the game against Cincinnati with Tyler Miller starting. Obviously, Dane Sinclair just, just got back from the Canada uh, U23 camp, or sorry, the Canada um, Olympic qual- or World Cup qualifying camp. Sorry. Uh, DJ Taylor, Coleman, Boxall, Gasper across the back line with Alonzo, Trap, Finley, and Reynoso, Hansen, and Langsdorf. Langsdorf has the uh, attack, or the the center forward uh, with Hansen on the left, and right Finley on the right with Reynoso in the middle. Um, from the Eric Turkey's Twitter account, Miller, Boxall, Coleman, Taylor, Gasper, Finley, and Reynoso all went the full ninety, and as well as Will Trap. So that's gives us a little bit more information about what Heath is thinking about for the, you know, starting 11 on April 16th. Um, do you guys have any quick thoughts on either of these two preseason matches? If you saw any of the highlights or anything. It's weird to see Alonzo and trap in the same center midfield, as opposed to maybe giving Hayes a run out there, a start in preseason. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Because I feel that, Alonzo and Trap are both known qualities or quantities. You know what you're going to get out of them. Maybe he's just saying, hey, when Regulus is out of town, can I start both of these guys? And can we have, you know, Trap be a little bit more attacking? And I would like to say more about this, but I couldn't watch the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been bummed not to be able to watch these games. It seems like the Loons are playing well. And uh, for all we crap on him, shout out to Eric Darkey. He's actually done a wonderful job uh Yes. tweeting what's going on and that's been super useful uh, borderline uh, imperative so but if yeah. you uh unfollowed him for reasons uh you don't get that or if he's blocked you for reasons you don't uh you don't <laughs> get that information which seems 
weird and why they always don't do this on the Minnesota United uh, match day feed. I don't know, but whatever. It's yeah, again, no, I, I definitely really, have the same question. This team is fucking amazing at communications, guys. That is what this team is known for. <laughs> their communications. Uh, it's true. Uh, that is undeniable. Durkey doesn't get allowed, isn't allowed to handle the match day account because then the match day account expectations would go up. That's, that's the reason. There. Sure. Uh, all right. Um, the the one point point I, I will make with this is uh, worrying number of goals from the penalty spot. That's a little bit weird. Don't know if the preseason refs are a little whistle happy. Uh, the one thing I really like, and and we've talked about this a little bit. It was allegedly true last year, uh, and I think it's actually true this year. This team has a ton of depth. Like, there's a lot of players who are playing well who look fully MLS quality. And that's great. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to have Ozzy Alonso and Will Trapp and Ja'Cory Hayes, all who can jump into the six and Hassani Dotson, who we haven't even seen yet. Yeah. Uh, crazy piece of this FC Cincinnati, who I have lampooned repeatedly for about a month straight, definitely the toughest game the loons have had. So uh, full credit there. Yeah. Well, we also obviously point out, uh, we haven't seen Grey Goose or Lude or uh, Hassani Dotson, Dan, as you mentioned, uh, or Dane St. Clair, um, in, in Metnir and Debassi, um, in any of these matches. So, again, kind of re- reinforces your point about the, the depth that this team has. So, hopefully, we'll see a few of those guys. Uh, their next uh, friendly uh, preseason match is against Orlando City SC on uh, Friday the 9th. And then the next match after that is uh, against Seattle, out in Seattle uh, for the uh, MLS uh, opener on friday night so um this kind of like sort of leads into a general question and, and maybe we can spend some time on this maybe we don't have to spend a ton of time but uh how much stock do we put into preseason and maybe like specifically this preseason considering all the stuff that's going on uh and then a, a uh, couple of tangential questions uh is way for real uh and can he be a contributor to this team and um can Nico Henson survive on the left considering um, to MJ's point never played there before. Uh, and we theoretically have another uh, left winger coming in. Um, so uh, I will put it to you, MJ first um, to give us a couple answers to those questions. I'll try to keep this brief. Please do in, in high school. We all should in, in, in high school. One of my friends was explaining why the Vikings win all the time in preseason. And he said, because we're starting all of our best players and possibly injuring them. And all of our opponents are starting their second and third stringers to see who makes the practice team or makes the real squad. And I'll segue into this. People treat preseason differently. Some people like to play a lot of their top talent to get chemistry and some are more looking at the talent that might not make that squad you you want to loan out see who you want to loan out things like that this time with a lot of our marquee players on international break i actually like seeing the depth that's Heath has been starting and subbing in again i don't know why you start Alonzo and Trap rather than Hayes. But again, 
I can see the re- I can kind of see the reason of do these guys have chemistry together? Can is Wea for real or can Hampson survive on the left? Uh, Wea's for real. We should temper our expectations to be less than the rest of his family. Like, don't just look at his last name. Look at his age. Look at where where and how he's developed. But he's for real. Now, for real, does that mean he's starting at striker for us against Seattle? No. So again, temper your expectations a bit. We said we said short, MJ. <laughs> well, there were three questions. Those are both yes or no questions, buddy. Um, sorry. Uh, okay. Can Hanson survive on the left? Yes. There you go. There you go. Um, sorry. Do you have anything else specifically on, on Hanson? Um, but your, your point uh, that he's never contributed, he never played there before is valid. The clip that I saw where he broke two Charleston battery guys' ankles, he was on the right and cutting into the left, which to me says that if he has more players that can attack in that sort of moving around and switching and changing positions a little bit more total football-ish. Great. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I don't put a ton of stock in the preseason for largely the reason MJ pointed out that it's it's impossible to know what your opponent quality is. Um, you know, that said, this is a team that has historically, and by historically, I mean the last two seasons, uh, been pretty strong defensively, uh, but hasn't always had a cohesive attack. So the fact that I, I don't so much care that they're winning, I do care that they seem to be pouring in goals and you know, that may be, Hey, the opposing center backs are inexperienced and they're reaching a little bit. And that's why we're seeing a ton of penalties. So it's all valid, but I put, I'm not putting stock in them in this, in in the same way as as, as saying like, Oh, we had a great preseason. So we're going to have a great season, but there are good signs coming out of this in terms of cohesion, in terms of the attack and in terms point blank of players like Justin McMaster and, uh, and way of finding the back of the net. I think that's great for confidence. And uh, look, if one Chope doesn't get done for whatever reason, I think it's exceedingly, just uh, exceedingly unlikely at this point. Uh, It's good to, good to have some options behind Langsdorf. Uh, is way up for real. You mean Juan, Juan Agudelo, buddy? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Because his hamstring isn't good. So Heath oh, got asked shit, about yeah. this uh, the other day. And uh, he said, we are we are happy for, for Foster Langsdorf to start the season. Uh, and then he said something that was unbelievably damning, which is, uh, I think he was trying to praise Langsdorf. And what he said was, he wants to do really well. And boy, um, that's the same thing I say about um, my tiny cat when she does things like pukes on the floor, but then comes for cuddles because she feels really bad about it. Like, Oh, you mean so well, you're trying so hard. Uh, you don't uh, say that about anyone who's actually good. Um, is way up for real. I look, the talent's there. Um, I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for his future. If Minnesota United is relying on him for double digit goals, uh, this season has gone so badly. So, so badly. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, bodies everywhere i mean this is yep. we'll refer to this as the the season of death uh nico hansen so uh again keeping it short guys <laughs> that was the whole point of this whole thing we're working on that um i think hansen's able to start on the left i think the only way that he stays there consistently is if the loons go to basically a positionless front four so 
here's your four players. On paper, they look like this. In reality, Lude's going to drift, which he does with Finland. Reynoso's going to drift, which he does anyway. And Nico Hansen can drift as well. I'm kind of fine with that. I would rather have stricter positions. But if Hansen's the drifting left-ish player, I think the team can survive that. Yeah, makes sense. All right, let me show you how it's done, guys. Um, how much stock do you put in the preseason? I don't know, 25%. Is Wea for real and a possible contributor? Yes, in uh, the second half of the season. Uh, can Hanson survive on the left? Yes, to Dan's point. Uh, he can, again, the uh, front four that kind of just fucking runs around and does their shit. So um, that's how you, yeah, that's total football. Exactly, MJ. That's how you do that. Question, guys. That's how you do that short. So uh, finally, uh, Minnesota United News Tyler Miller uh, and Greenbelt are partnering up. Um, they, uh, they announced the thing on Instagram yesterday, I believe. And then, uh, uh, realized, oopsie, they used the Minnesota United FC logos in a bunch of their shit. So I don't know if you guys, uh, follow Tyler Miller on Instagram, but he had to, uh, repost a bunch of pictures, um, with the, literally the Minnesota United FC logo, like air shot, like airbrushed out of, out of a, a shirt, a, a shot of him in goal. And then, uh, I think he, the green belt team made him go, to uh uh northeast minneapolis and get a picture of him like maybe make his like girlfriend or wife take the picture of him standing in front of the grain belt sign like pointing up um but tyler miller is a grain belt athlete any very quick thoughts on that not hams yeah fuck him he's not hams this is great because my american imitation lager of choice is grain belt premium so i'm happy about it there you go all right, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss some MLS news. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. All right, and we're back. So we have some MLS news, um, some very uh, – some – Minor player news, some bigger uh, uh, MLS news, and then some, we'll talk a little bit about CONCACAF Champions League, which is happening right now as we are recording. So in the uh, player, player-ish player news, uh, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm jumping around in the uh, in the outline here. Uh, Ish Jome to, uh, to Portland. Uh, Portland just, we just uh, watched, or some of us just watched Portland and uh, uh, Marathon uh, play to a 2-2 draw down in Honduras. Um, Ish Jome went from playing on the U S in a USL team to uh CONCACAF champions league. So good for him. I always love that dude. I have a, um, we have me and my wife have wedding pictures from cause we, on our wedding day, we went to the state fair cause my, uh, we got ready like block, like a couple, like a block and a half away from the state fair. My family love, like my family loves the state fair. So we all bought tickets. We went to the state fair, went to the Minnesota United, uh, exhibit or thing at, uh, at the state fair, and took pictures with uh, the players that were there. And Ish Jome was one of the players. So like there, we have a wedding album that has um, Ish Jome in it, uh, standing in between Anna and myself. And then we went down the gigantic slide in our wedding attire. So wedding dress and, and uh, my wedding suit and all that with some of the family. And then we went to the nomad and uh, got, you know, drank a shit ton of booze. So, so it's a good day. Yeah. It was fucking amazing. Uh, Ish Jome to Portland. Uh, you guys have any thoughts? My only th- First of all, super happy for Ishom. Who are the other two Luntaloons that also played on Austin Bold? Anyone know? 
one you should get, the other one you're not going to get. Did Justin Davis go down there? I believe I believe his name is Jermaine Taylor. Mm. <laughs> Jamaican International Jermaine Taylor. Yes. Uh, captain, captain of Austin Gold, Jermaine Taylor. Is he really? Wow. Um, cool. Center back. Uh, and, and Who's the other one? The, the injured before we got to take a look at him, young player, Thomas DiViotti. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, it's really cool. So, congrats who, to... Who is now on Charlotte Independence, but whatever. Fair enough. Uh, congrats to Ishjom. Uh, and then the other um, sort of like bigger MLS player signing news, uh, Bobby Wood official to RSL in July. Um, I think everybody, that was like been something that was announced, I think back in January that he's trying to get out of uh, the Bundesliga Zwei and come back or come to MLS um, after spending 14 years in Europe. So um, good on him. I think Bobby Wood will be, um, you know, he'll be a serviceable striker for RSL. I don't know who they're, who's going to get him the ball at RSL, uh, which we'll talk about when we do our, our preview podcast uh, this weekend. But uh, yeah, so good for Bobby Wood. Um, do you guys have any, any specific thoughts on Bobby Wood to RSL? Yeah. It's really sure. interesting with a, with a player like Wood because it can go one of two ways. Either he's not going to be MLS quality and this is going to be a, kind of a disappointing end to his career, or he's still going to be in great shape. He'll be revitalized and he'll score 12 for a mediocre RSL team and it'll be fun. But uh, it's always weird when these guys come over. Like, where are you? We, we really don't know. Yeah. Uh, the dude is uh, 29 years old. <laughs> like, he's not old. Or 28. He's 28 right now. He'll be 29 in November. Wow. So, yeah, the dude is not old at all. Um, so, definitely, theoretically, could, I mean, especially ahead of the 2022 World Cup, like, revitalize his, uh, his you know, maybe his his place in the uh, U.S. Uh, Greg Berhalter's striker uh, pool, which is, you know, one of the bigger question marks for U.S. Men's National Team is, like, who is actually going to be the striker. Um, and if he plays well in July and maybe gets some, you know, maybe gets a call up in the September front in the September uh, world cup qualifiers. Who the hell knows, man. So um, good on Bobby Wood. So great, good for him. And the final little bit of the, and I don't want to spend too much time speculating on this other than I, if I don't point it out, uh, my wife might uh, murder me is that Sergio Aguero uh, is leaving man city after the end of this year. Uh, There are rumors that he might come to MLS Sergio Aguero, only 32 years old. The dude's has scored like 250 some goals for Man City. He's the leading Man City goal scorer of all time. And he's only 32 years old. So he obviously has lots of options. He could go back to Argentina. Um, he could come to MLS. He could go to another Champions League team. Um, but if, uh, and it sounds like the rumors are if he would come to MLS, it would be LAFC uh, or which, which actually has a, weirdly enough, has a DP spot. Uh, or New York City FC, uh, who is obviously connected to this the uh, Man City and the City Football Group. So, um, you guys have any brief, quick thoughts on Sergio Aguero? It's just too bad that he is out of our price range, frankly, out of our age range, because with his history of injuries, he would be a perfect fit at Minnesota United. Uh, I hadn't considered that aspect, but you're dead on MJ. And now I'm reconsidering. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not going to come to MLS. He seems like a prototypical guy who'll play out his career in either Italy or Spain, uh, maybe do a one-year stint in Turkey, and then uh, head home to sleep on an absolutely ungodly pile of money. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if he comes to MLS, it was just it, my wife would be uh, absolutely uh, ecstatic about it because I believe uh, Kun Aguero is one of her favorite uh, Man City players of all time. So, um, again, started following, uh, you know, recently. Uh, not going to say any more about that. Let's talk uh, about a, you actually, earlier. You said everyone started uh, following Man City during the Hughes era, and it, I didn't start following until the Manuel Pellegrini era. Of course, <laughs> I'm not a supporter. Uh, I'm an Everton supporter, so I know, think that's so. When to, I started taking notes. To, to be fair, my I believe my wife started following Man City in the in the 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 Hughes era as well. So, you know, for for what it's worth, uh, an actual an, an actual like important thing that we should probably talk about and actually spend a little bit of, of decent time and not making jokes about um, MOS uh, has gone forward. They are going to implement the cushion concussion substitutes initiative, um, which is a thing that the uh, FIFA has been sort of put, putting out to uh, associations if they want to take advantage of it and, and test it out. Um, it's basically, so MOS in, in addition to this, they, they announced what they're going to do for substitutions this year. Five normal subs across the three separate um, substitution windows, basically not including uh, in between uh, the first half and the second half. So if you introduce someone at, at halftime, doesn't count as one of your uh, substitution windows, which is what they did last year. Uh, they're going to keep it going for this year. Uh, the concussion substitute uh, substitutes initiative is you can have up to two concussion subs um, that will happen if you are uh, suspected of a concussion after assessment. So it can be on the field. It can be, they, they pull them off the field and, and they get an assessment and they think there's a, a concussion. Um, a team will be allowed to substitute a player for that player. Uh, the other sort of, the other sort of part to this is that if you are given a concussion substitution or you do a concussion substitution, the other team will be allowed to make their own substitution uh, to balance out because, you know, obviously we're worried about fair play and uh, teams taking advantage of something, trying to get fresher legs on. Um, the other team will be allowed to bring in another player as well. Um, and then, so MJ threw in here, the white, pink, blue cards, those are substitution cards. MJ, I'll let you talk about that in a in a very hot second here. Uh, the international uh, the IFAB uh, basically has a they want to do a trial period of this for twenty months, which goes through uh, August of next year, twenty twenty two. And then the other point that in the MLS press release, MLS will continue to use medical spotters uh, as well to relay down to the the team doctors on site. And I was like, I, I did not realize that they were doing this before. Apparently. They, the way they wrote this is that this is something that was happening. Um, I did not realize that was a thing that was happening. So, uh, MJ, why don't you tell us what white, pink, and blue cards mean, and then tell us about what your your thoughts are specifically on the the concussion substitute initiative. So, when a player is being subbed on, I believe that player will have a white, a pink, or a blue card. And if it's a white cub card, that will symbolize a normal sub. If it's a pink card. Is considered a concussion sub, and if it's a blue card, it is an additional or in exchange for the other team having a concussion sub, a blue card would be one of those additional subs. I believe this means that 
you can cap off at nine subs a game. Your, your five normal subs, up to two concussion subs. And then if your opponent, after you had two concussions and your opponent uses two additional subs, your opponent gets two concussion subs, then you would get two additional subs, which is just outrageous. But for right now, we're not going to see nine, nine subs in the game. College so, soccer, man. <laughs> yeah, NCAA. Yeah. I think this is a long time coming. I like that one way you try to balance out someone taking advantage of an extra sub is you give the other team an additional sub. That seems like fair and good compensation. And the other thing, digging around on this issue, I didn't realize the Premier League in England has already started implementing this starting in February. And so I believe a player from West Ham was the first to actually be subbed out for concussion protocols. The She Believes Cup has uh, used this same protocol and concussion sub rule set. And if it happens, the Olympic Games in Tokyo will also use it. I totally agree with with a lot of what you said is factually based, so I'm not going to disagree with that. But on an opinion basis, I totally agree with your assertion. This was a long time coming. Um, Soccer has a massive concussion problem, probably not quite as big as the NFL's, but uh, unlike the NFL, they actually give a shit about it. So I'm really excited to see this. Uh, I'm part of me is really eager to see somebody try to make nine subs in a game, like more power to you. Uh, the, uh, the two things that, uh, that really stand out here. Um, I'm super glad with, uh, all of the depth issues, which I won't dig into. We've done that in a billion other podcasts. Uh, I'm glad there's extra subs. Uh, I think it's going to keep players healthier. I think you're going to see fewer muscular injuries and that's good for the league. It's good for teams. It's good for players. When you can get all three of those aligned, by God, you have got to do it because those chances are few and far between. Uh, I also cannot wait, and it will happen. It may take years, but it will happen. Like 88th minute, somebody's going to get subbed off for a concussion. Their player's going to replace them. The team, other team's response sub is going to come on and score either the winner or the equalizer, and it's going to be just this big fucking deal. And everyone's going to, oh, we can't, can't do the concussion subs, and it's a competitive advantage. And somebody's going to be like, this is the first time it's happened in in legitimately over a thousand games. But even so, even knowing all of that, I'm still very excited for the uproar and the hubbub. The two, my two favorite things in life are uproar and hubbub. Yeah, especially when it comes to soccer fans. They definitely do know when to temper themselves and uh, not go overboard at all. So uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I think this is I think this is fantastic. I think this is, yeah, a long, I think Taylor Twelman said it uh, like, you know, what took so long, but also this is great. This is better than what they've done in the past. So um, good on MLS for, you know, hoping, trying to lead the way here on this. And it sounds like, uh, um, that they were in the MLS, NWSL, NISA, the USL are all sort of in conversation about having this. So I wouldn't be surprised if you hear um, very shortly from uh, the NWSL and USL that they're also going to pilot a pilot this as well, just to give us more data. The more data we can have about it, the better. Um, I think it will only uh, help to make make this make this point that it, this is a really good thing. And I didn't say anything about um, the the you know traveling roster size. And normally it's an eighteen man roster. I believe they they up that to twenty two or twenty three with the five 
five substitutions. My guess is that's probably not going to change too much. So yeah, to, to MJ, to your point of, of having uh, uh, nine subs, um, that's pretty much your entire roster. Uh, Sands, your, your second goalkeeper, uh, if you make all nine substitutions. So, um, you know, better for the teams that are, are doing some depth. And, and Minnesota is honestly one of those teams that actually has some decent depth and, and some like capable players who are sort of second rung. So a lot of the original rules that IFAB came up with were very biased to the British Isles and playing in England, which is often in the rain or on a soggy pitch, not on fucking field turf 360. Not that concussions happen from diving headers and people putting their forehead into the turf, but just in general, having more subs considering the playing surfaces you have to play in an MLS or the NWSL like is better. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, let's quickly check CONCACAF champions league. It kicks off literally as we're recording this podcast. Uh, we already had one game marathon uh, and uh, Portland marathon of Honduras and uh, Portland FC of uh, MLS played uh, to a two, two draw tonight down in uh, Honduras. As we are uh, recording the podcast, Alhoense. Uh, of Costa Rica and Atlanta United are playing right now. As of right now, it's the thirty-fifth minute. It's a zero-zero draw. So um, we have a we have a a, a fun Alhuense shout out. Shout out to longtime listener and supporter Edu Rosales. Congrats on your team Alhuense uh, winning the Costa Rican League this year for the first time in I don't know how many years, but you know you know how many years and. <laughs> Also, you're the number one reason why I'm on this podcast, other than David Zeller, because I I guest hosted uh, once with Rodrigo and David Zeller, and once with David Zeller and David Martin a long time ago. And you were one of my biggest like I liked you on that pod uh, supporters. And without that positive feedback, I would be like, I'm not good at this. <laughs> Which to be fair, I'm not. So we hate you, Edu. Um, <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. Uh, so they're playing right now to a 0-0 draw. Um, uh, the other matches involving MLS teams, uh, Deportivo Saprissa, uh, Costa Rican team, plays uh, Philadelphia United or Philadelphia Union tomorrow. Uh, today, if you're listening to this podcast, probably at 5 p.m. Uh, Leon Club Leon plays Toronto FC tomorrow at 7 p.m. or today, and then uh, Real Estelle, um, a Nicaraguan team, plays Columbus on Thursday. These are the first legs of of a two-legged uh, round of 16. The second legs are on April 13th, 14th, or 15th, depending on when you play your first match. And the quarterfinals are quarterfinals are happening. At the end of April, and they're taking a long ass break until I think August, when they're doing the semifinals, and then I think the a long ass break again until October, which is when the final is going to happen. So, which is a it's a weird Concacaf Champions League this year. Normally, this thing takes place in a very condensed time, right in the spring, um, right as MLS is like kicking off their season. So, uh, if we can get a couple MLS teams through to the uh, semifinals. Um, I think there might be a legitimate shot of an MLS team winning this thing. So, uh, Dan, I'll start with you. Do you have any any thoughts on any of these matches, matchups, uh, anything, uh, any thoughts on the CONCACAF Champions League generally? Uh, I'm really glad that 
CONCACAF is investing more in this competition. I think that can only be good. Uh, and the games are legitimately really fun. Uh, I think m- uh, the MLS contingent this year is perhaps not quite representative of the league. Uh, we've bitched and moaned uh, me in particular in the past about Atlanta making this tournament, which they should not have uh, full points through 38 minutes. They're holding their own against Alajuense, so that's good, I guess. But they're not at the level of this competition. Uh, and because of all of the selling Philly did, I don't think they really are either. Uh, so it's a little bit disappointing to, to have those two as potential uh, or not potential as representatives of the league, because I don't think they're the right teams like LAFC should be in there, who was a finalist last year, but they're not uh, Columbus and Portland, though. I think they've got a decent shot in this tournament and it's got to come eventually. Some MLS team will win this tournament. It'll happen in the next decade. I will I will put money on it. But uh, yeah, I'd just like to see a better compliment. Just that an MLS team has won this competition. It just had a different name. Not not in this iteration, but yes, you are correct. Yes, that's right. Was that LA Galaxy like back in the nineties? Yeah, there were there were two. The, yeah. the, I think DC United and LA Galaxy both yep. won. Yep. Whatever whatever this tournament was called before Champions League. Uh, all right. Let's let's jump to uh, some world stuff, and then we'll end with our our uh, our very fun and very uh, highly uh, rated. Uh, game of guess a former loon um which is what mj is gonna uh play us with uh so other world soccer stuff ufa champions league kicked off uh the the um quarterfinals uh today man city beat dortmund two to one although probably should have been two two real madrid beat real uh liverpool three to one um fuck real madrid Bayern and PSG <laughs> play uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday or today, if you're probably listening to this podcast. And Porto and Chelsea also play um, on Wednesday as well. The Porto Chelsea, and this is the first legs. Obviously, um, they have to go back to Anfield and hopefully, um, you know, uh, race a, a deficit. Liverpool played. I'm just gonna say Liverpool played like shit for the first half. They played really good for about 25 minutes in the second half. And then they kind of play like crap for the rest of the game. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any specific thoughts on uh, UEFA Champions League. I know it's been a while since both of your teams have been in it. So, uh, you know, Our if, you want, if you want to throw anything out there. I mean, at least my team still has a chance of winning a trophy in Europe this year. Just throw so, that out. So does mine. <laughs> no, no, David, they don't. They yes. don't have a chance. They yes. did about six hours ago, but they sure as fuck don't now. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, Barcelona three, Liverpool zero, and then uh, and then some magic happened. So just throwing it out there. Um, Gotta love right, the and- magic of an empty Anfield. Just, yeah, I know. Just like a bee in an empty pop can. I, I fucking know. <laughs> MJ, why don't you tell us about uh, uh, oh. IFAB updating uh, handball laws? Oh boy. Uh, so <laughs> as I actually don't as like. I actually don't like this part. I, IFAB came out with the, you know, implementing the, the concussion subs. Great, great rule changes. Handball offenses now, they are con- only going to be considered deliberate touches which is mostly going to be moving hand or arm toward ball, not ball or arm to hand. And assuming that you're not making your body unnaturally bigger, quote unquote, unnaturally bigger. 
or your hand or arm scores a goal. And the reason why I don't like this is there is so much more interpretation and ambiguity that needs to be interpreted by the referee. What is a deliberate touch? Was this person trying to do this? Um, Yes, you have the hand to arm to ball clarification, but also what constitutes making your body unnaturally bigger? Now, I hope that in some referee manual, they actually show pictures and give detailed examples. But what, what we, the public, can read at this point, it just sounds even more vague and more harder to determine than previous. In addition, they say accidental handball that leads to a teammate scoring or having a goal scoring opportunity is no longer an offense, which great. I know a lot of people are upset about that. Like, like, Hey, this was an inadvertent handball and we scored a goal and now it's not a goal, but this isn't the way to solve that problem. That's my ring. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree that no rule should be adding ambiguity at this stage. Um, I'm sympathetic to IFAB. They're trying to solve an unsolvable problem. But the fact that they can't seem to get any better, they just get different shades of worse, makes me think there may not be the right people to do this. Like, pick five ways of thinking about this problem and be a B tested in, you know, the sixth division of Liechtenstein or whatever, but like these massive world changing game altering rules, you can't keep guessing at. And I'm, I'm just tired of it. So I'm not going to rehash what you said because you were dead on there, but I'm, I do better. I that's what, that's all I'm asking you for. It's not perfection, just better. Yeah, uh, uh, 100%. I'll just point out in our, we were chatting and kind of watching the uh, Atlanta Alahuense game, and uh, Brad Guzan just got a red card. Um, Woohoo! Ag- aggressively was a red, and it was weird because the referee like pulled out the yellow card and was holding on to the yellow card for a long time until he brandished the red. And uh, it's definitely a red card from Brad Guzan. So um, fuck off, Brad Guzan. Uh, I, I want to praise Aluhuense here because they CONCACAF shithoused this just to perfection. They boxed oh, yeah. out every Atlanta player who was trying to talk to the ref. And so there were there were six Aluhuense players surrounding the referee, fully boxing out Atlanta players, which I hate on principle. But that is what CONCACAF is about. Yeah, they definitely CONCACAF the shit out of it. So, uh, all right couple more things before we wrap up here. Uh, Sky Blue FC rebrands as Gotham FC. Did you guys see this rebrand um, uh, from the NWSL today? If they had rebranded as Gotham FC, you would hear me praising this up and down because the logo work is outstanding. The hype video was great, but they didn't. They rebranded as New Jersey, New York Gotham FC, which is dumb as hell. Okay. I mean, yeah, Gotham FC would have been great. Why Why did they not do that? That's what I'm saying. Like, it was right okay. there. You had it in your hands, and then you dropped it, and you I mean, put saw, New Jersey, New York I, on it, like I saw the Metro Stars. I saw the logo. I just assumed it was just like, that was just like a, a kind of a logo thing, and then Gotham FC was actually the actual proper name. So no. it's not that. Oh, okay. No, it's, it, it's, oh, it's New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. It's all, right. all three of those those things. But the okay. logo is fantastic. It's a Matt Wolf creation. I love the rebrand. I just, just, we were so close to perfection. And instead we got not that. 
I feel that this is the NWSL and owners or marketing saying, we expect to have a global audience for this team and they need to know geographically where the fuck Gotham is. And it's not in a DC comic um, where some guy's going around with a cape and a cowl. So I think there's logic behind it. It just is so clumsy sounding. That's fair. It's by uh, far the best explanation I have heard of it. So absolutely full credit to that. Uh, I still, I still hate it though. I'm not going to lie. I, this was, I, I, I love what math Matt Wolf does with uh, his stuff. This one didn't hit me at all. I mean, it was, it wasn't, it, Liberty. it wasn't mm-hmm. terrible. I, maybe I do. Maybe I do MJ. I, it wasn't terrible. Um, but it did, freedom. Yeah. It's, this was maybe the first uh, kind of like meh Matthew Wolf like soccer design. And the dude has done amazing shit and everything I everything he does, I'm super into. This one was the first one I was just kind of like, eh, okay. Like I, I, I again, I'm not gonna say this is not uh, this is not some like terrible the fuck were you doing kind of stuff. This was just like, eh, I, I don't know, like. I'm not a designer. I couldn't do better. So who am I to who am I to judge? But um, when when the guy has a, a track record like he does, this you know doesn't hit as as well as some of the other stuff that uh, Matt, Matt, Matthew Wolf has done. So for the fans that aren't aware, what is another soccer logo that Matthew Wolf has done? Oh, he, he did like- the L- the LAFC. Uh, their stuff okay. is fucking great. Like that uh, that LA uh, the with the wings, black, black and gold wing hat that they have is yeah. fucking great. And that's that's stuff that he's done. He's done a bunch. He's done a bunch of stuff. He used to work for Nike. Um, I think he was on the Fifty Five One podcast maybe a, two years ago or something like that. But he talked a little bit about some of the stuff that he's done. Um, yeah, he used to work. For, he did the Nigeria kits for Nike that everybody fucking lost their minds over. I think uh, eight years ago or whenever the not the most recent World Cup, but the World Cup of maybe six years ago work up before that the nigeria kits like he was the guy who designed those stuff like dude's really really fucking good at designing soccer stuff so oh he did mj is this what you were hinting at he did minneapolis city stuff he did yeah, yeah. he did the city stuff too yeah yep yeah good good point so uh, i don't know it just it didn't it didn't pop like it normally does yeah when he does stuff for me so uh all right mj Take us home with some uh, UWCL, Women's Champions League stuff. For the American fans out there, Sam U.S. scores. And Sam U.S. scores and Manchester City beat Barcelona 2-1. Yeah, according to ESPN, the best uh, women's soccer player in the world, Sam U.S. They won the second leg, which means they lost because they only won the second leg by one goal. And they had previously lost in Barcelona 3-0. And who is tied with Sam Ewis for most goals in UEFA Women's Champions League? And if uh, uh, Yeni, sorry, Yeni Hermoso. And Yeni Hermoso is really good. Uh, I believe she plays the number 10 for Barcelona and she has assists and goals to spare. So they're tied for five goals apiece. Guess who's going on to get a chance to get more goals? It's not Sam Ewis, and I wish it were. But um, Barcelona wins that 
Uh, Chelsea beats uh, Wolfsburg, uh, Wolfsburg on an aggregate of 5-1. to one. Uh, Bayern München beat uh, Rosengard 4-0. And uh, <laughs> the fourth quarterfinal, the first uh, PSG versus Olympic Lyonnais postponed because a bunch of PSG people got COVID. This is the Olympic Lyonnais home leg. They're going in 1-0 up, as I said last week. And then Olympic Lyonnais asked UEFA to postpone the game because five of their players have tested positive, which means then the entire team gets put into isolation and in quarantine. So France just can't keep their teams from getting COVID is, is what I get from this. They will finally play their second leg on Sunday, April 18th. So the benefit is we get to watch it on the weekend, not on a Wednesday or Thursday during the day when a lot of us work. And then uh, the semifinals this year are also on the, are going to be Saturday, Sunday. So the both, both legs of the semifinals on Saturday and Sunday, the final will be Sunday, the 16th of May at Gamla Ulebe in Hurtebora, Sverige. And for those of you who speak English, that's Gothenburg, Sweden. And apologies to all three of my Swedish grandparents. There are three that were Swedish, Peterson, Johnson, and Malm. For me saying Gothenburg for all these years, not realizing the Swedish pronunciation was Hurtebora. So apologize. Did they listen to this podcast? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad they don't. We were it, also it, it going to be... have to proffer some apologies, but having nothing to do with Swede- <laughs> Swedish pronunciations. They they would be complaining about me cussing so much if they if they did. But fair, yeah. fair enough. All right, MJ. Uh, let's, let's let's quickly. Can we quickly do the uh, guess a loon? No, guess a former loon. Because because it's me, so nothing's going to be quick with me. But I'll I'll do my best. All right, let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll do this, and then uh, we'll wrap up the podcast. So last last week, Dan got to go first. David, you're guessing first this time. Fair. This Fair. is a former loon. This is a former loon, not a current loon. Okay. Hint one. One of the seven members of the 2016 NASL Minnesota United squad that got promoted to MLS. Uh, Justin Davis. Dan? Kevin Venegas. College career was spent at UC Santa Barbara. Ish Joe? Ding, 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 ding. Fuck yeah! Ah. Done, done, done. I spent a lot of time uh, reading up on Ish Jome because I was very excited about him getting a, a contract with Portland. So, all right, fuck you, Dan. <laughs> Didn't even get a chance. Guess, to who's, be- guess who's never eating my grilled meat now, you fat bastard. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, <laughs> let's we'll wrap up with one final question. Um, we had a couple questions about uh the tickets and stuff. And I don't want to dwell on that any much longer. A uh, hop clouds, uh, our friends, hop clouds ask, when do you expect to begin recording live at the black card again? So we can buy you all beers and watch the ensuing shenanigans. Uh, hop clouds. Uh, that is a very good question. We are, we're all d- on different vaccine tracks, but we're all getting vaccinated. So I think it might not be a terribly short amount of time. I'm not, I don't want to throw a number on it or a day on it, but, uh, I think there's a very real possibility that we could be recording again 
uh, in person at, at some point in the uh, in this like late spring, early summer. So let's uh, let's leave it there. Unless you guys have anything else you want to add about that, but I, I think, think I'm I, the I think I'm the latest one because if MJ got J and J, oh right, yeah, he's on a he's on two weeks to fully vaccinated. And my second dose isn't until the 16th. So May 1st, May 1st, so, I will be superhuman strong uh, and 100% COVID proof. I, yes. I'm, with, I'm a, yeah. With 100% 5G coverage. So yes. that's uh, that's my earmarked date is May 1st. I am already immortal. MG will be immortal in a couple, in like two weeks. And Dan will be immortal around uh, the 1st of May. So um, theoretically, uh, May, like early May-ish, we might be able to, to do this thing. Uh, live in front of a studio audience. So, uh, all right. Thank you, everybody. Um, thank you, Dan and MJ, for uh, indulging this. Uh, we will be recording our. If you have any questions and you want uh, asked or answered about uh, the Western Conference, we'll be recording our season preview podcast this weekend, uh, this Sunday, actually, as a matter of fact. So send those into the 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 Twitter TDIKMN uh, or uh, the Dave's I know MN at gmail.com. I think. I theoretically look at that uh, email address once in a while. So you can send them in there. Uh, Patreon.com slash Dave's I know. Help support the days that you know. At TDIKMN on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller. Dan's at D Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui. We've been the Dave's You Know. This is the Dave's. to try and work it out. Because we both know we can't do nothing at all. Son. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we yeah. do our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Check it out, though. GT.